On this edition of Across College Lacrosse, we talked to ESPN's Anish Shroff to discuss the season so far and other predictions and whatnot. Get into a couple other topics as well and some of his game predictions for this weekend and championship weekend predictions. We also recap the Tuesday and Wednesday games and preview and give my predictions for this upcoming weekend's games. That's all coming up on a little bit longer edition of Across College Lacrosse. Step into the spotlight. Hey, hey, welcome to another edition of Across College Cross episode number seven, the James Bond episode. I am your host, Chris Stremsky. We have a little bit longer show today because, and it's a little bit late as well, because we decided to get somebody on to talk about College Cross. It's none other than the lead voice of ESPN's College Cross. That is Anish Shroff. He graduated from Syracuse in the early 2000s, a Newhouse grad, just like where I will be in about a few months. He also does some football and college basketball for the worldwide leader and was named the lead play-by-play announcer last season for college across when Eamon McEnany left with Quint and Paul alongside him. It's still a fun trio to listen to, especially during championship weekend. So we'll get to that in a little bit quickly before we go. Recapping the Tuesday-Wednesday games, not a lot of notable results, uh, but the first one, Holy Cross, double overtime upset of Harvard, if you want to call it an upset, 10-9, Harvard falls to 1-1 one one with their only win coming against UMass Lowell by one goal, so this, this Harvard team doesn't appear to be what some people thought, Quint. Holy Cross is still Holy Cross, but we'll see if they can bounce back or continue this momentum with a big win this Saturday against Lehigh. Canisius getting their first win over Binghamton 12-10. Richmond beating Mount St. Mary's, who who looks competitive, even though they're winless, 13-10. Manhattan over Lafayette, 12-9. The Dolphins are from Jacksonville, beating Detroit Mercy 15-8. They have a big matchup on Sunday against Ohio State. Virginia, 18, high point 12. Notable is Griffin Thompson did not finish the entire game. Yeah, I think he came out in the first quarter or first half at the very least. Alex Rode, the freshman goalie from St. Paul's, or as Anish calls him, Rode. Rode. I'm not sure which one's right, but I'll call, I'll say Rode until otherwise. I think it's Rode. 18 to 12. We'll see if Rode or Thompson take the start Saturday against Princeton up in Clockner. And then finally on Tuesday, BU 10, Dartmouth 4. Wednesday games, Monmouth crushing Wagner 17-4. Meanwhile, Maryland, led by five goals from Logan Wisnowskis, beating Penn, who finally gave us some breathing room to not answer that if Penn beats Maryland and Duke, are they the number one team in the nation 13-6 handedly win for the Terrapins. So that is your weekend games. There are games tonight. There are games tomorrow. And there are games Sunday. We will get to those in a little bit. But first, we'll get to the Anish Shroff interview right now. Little uh, disclaimer, we did have some technical difficulties on our end with the recording. Uh, I think you'll hear a little bit of static when Anish talks not totally sure why that is. It worked. It was fine before we recorded, uh, but it just started to come up when when we started record. So, not sure what the problem is there. But either way, we'll give you the King of the North himself, Mister Anish Shroff. And joining me right now, the King of the North himself from ESPNU, Mr. Anish Shroff. Anish, uh, you're not really in the North, you're in Charlotte, and it's warm, but other than that, how's, how are things? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm no longer a northern lord. I've I've <laughs> I've transplanted to the south. Dornish wine does me well. So you you're still in North Carolina and last week you were down there for uh, Duke Denver with the whole entire gang. Just just basic thoughts from that first big game of the weekend from last week. Yeah, really, it felt like the first big game of the season. And um, walking away, I think both teams have to feel pretty good about where they are, at least this early in the season. Um, you know, I think for Duke to win a game in which they were thoroughly dominated at the faceoff X was quite telling. Um, you know, Justin Gutterding, uh, again, has evolved now into one of the best players in the country. And he and Joe Robertson have found a nice little chemistry there. And remember, you know, the third attackman that was Jack Bruckner last year who scored close to 50 goals. Uh, Duke has found a young man in Robertson who's going to be a pretty good player for a long time. And I think he's actually a little bit more dynamic than, than Bruckner is in terms of he can feed, he can score. Um, sort of an old school switchblade, a throwback player. And he and Gutterding have kind of hit it off right away, which I think is huge for Duke. They looked every bit the part of preseason number one. Um, to me, Denver looked every bit the part of a championship weekend team. So, uh, you know, you kind of walk away. You don't want to take too much out of uh, an early February game. But to me, don't be surprised if both these teams uh, see each other again Memorial Day weekend. Now, you mentioned this game being played in February. Should this game have been played in February? Pretty much just asking you the, the, uh, the age-old question of should the season start earlier than early February or is this just fine because it, it seemed like even though it was raining it, it looked like it was a perfect game and both teams seemed to be running yeah, everything weather was normal. good you know it was about 65 70 degree weather weather was good and you know there was some rain um, it was worse the next day but uh, you, you know I think in a vacuum it's easy for us to say well, why don't we just push back championship weekend into June? Why don't we push the season along? Um, why don't we play more midweek games in March? You know, if we wanted to do that and keep Memorial Day weekend, all that works in a vacuum. Um, you step out of the vacuum and you start dealing with real variables. Okay, so let's say you want to move up the start of the season to March 1st. Well, do teams want to play midweek games when they have conference games on weekends? I, I, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> if you look at scheduling, the answer is no. That's why so many teams do play so many games in February. Well, why don't we just move championship weekend back? Okay, well, then do you get the same visibility? Let's say you move it back a week. Now you're going up against the Women's College World Series. If you move it back two weeks, then you're going up against college baseball, super regionals, and the college baseball World Series after that. So you're in a place right now where you're still a, a standalone event in a lot of ways. Um, I think the further you move it back, you get lost a little bit with some of the other spring sports that, quite frankly, rate better, um, especially the postseason. So you know, you have to factor all those things into control and all those, you have to factor all those things. And, you know, to me, I think the, the, the most paramount thing here for the sport of lacrosse is what's the window where you can get the most visibility. And uh, if I were to maybe change something, maybe instead of looking at, oh, I don't know, um, you know, weekend games, maybe you have some Sunday games, maybe it's even, you know, changing the structure where you're moving off Saturday and maybe you're playing early in the week where um, I think you have maybe an opportunity to bring in more fans. I mean, you think about the month of March, Thursday through Sunday, you know, those first few weeks, I mean, that's NCAA tournament. So the, the lacrosse fan who's also a college basketball fan or a casual sports fan, a lot of times you're not even getting them till May or you're getting them in late April. So I think we have to look at what, what's the best way to maximize windows where, hey, this is what's on TV and there's not much going up, up against it that you can entice more lacrosse fans. So, um, you know, I, I don't think um, there's a an ironclad answer to that, but I think that has to be the priority. You know, where can we best maximize exposure for the sport right now? And then you mentioned those Sunday games, at uh, Sunday night games, and Big Ten's doing – that in April, and they're pulling out a lot of ratings, and especially with great yeah, teams I'm like a Penn fan State. of the Sunday night games. I am a fan of the Sunday night games. I think again, people are home, people are watching, um, and and if you have a marquee draw, uh, again, it's an opportunity to grow the sport. Then finally, just getting off this uh, Duke Denver topic, you had the uh, the great idea and the entire ESPN cast of the bingo board idea. So, <laughs> where did that come from? 
Um, where did that come from? Well, I think it started with, you know, we were just talking about a 5 p.m. Quint really got things started with, with pushing the whole happy hour of the cross idea. And then, um, you know, we said, well, how do we take this one step further <laughs> and make it interactive? And so, um, you know, we listen, we just came up with a bingo board. What you choose to do with it and the game that you construct around the bingo board, that is ultimately up to the viewer. It is ultimately up to the user. That is dealer's choice. We just came up with a bingo board. And again, uh, people can play however they feel fit. And we saw that with uh, the Quickstick guys. They were doing their own little uh, fun kind of drinking game. And luckily, they're, they're still alive today. But uh, yes, another 5 p.m. game today. Hopkins taking you know, on You know, listen, they could have used water. Nobody, they they could have used water, could have used iced tea, could have used lemonade, could have used diet soda. I mean, you know, we, we didn't tell anybody, you know, to partake with, with, any, with, any, with any certain beverage. So... It's all up to the dealer. Dealer's choice, as you said. Uh, 5 p.m. game, UNC Hopkins today. I don't think there's a bingo board yet, but, you know, there's there's always time for for someone to make one. Um, so let's, let's go back for the entire season so far. Three to four weeks. I'm not sure how much lacrosse you have been able to watch. I mean, probably been <laughs> following, but you've had a lot of college basketball, and right now it's March to Matt. Uh, March to uh, March yeah, Madness. Yeah, I'm I'm a little be. I've got about uh, about a nine or ten games that I'm that I'm behind on. So I've watched. Uh, I got a couple. I got to watch today, and then uh, next week, you know, I kind of really dive into. You know, I do. I do watch all the games. So I just kind of uh, with basketball a little bit behind. But um, you know, Chris, the the I always sort of caution myself because we want to make a snap judgment in February, right? You know, Hey, this team is good. This team is bad. And uh, teams evolve. Um, teams get better. Teams get worse. Teams get hurt. Teams get healthier. Look at Towson a season ago. If you watch Towson you know, early in the year, midway through the season, uh, you know, figuring out who's going to be the goalie, figuring out where the offense is going to come from. Towson didn't really start hitting its stride until, you know, mid April last year. So, Nobody saw them at this point being a, a legitimate threat to get the championship weekend. There's a, probably a team out there that's like Towson, not to say they're going to get to the semifinals, but certainly uh, they could be a contender, you know, a couple of months from now. So, yeah, I always say February caution yourself, you know, just there, there's so much lacrosse to be played. Teams can get better. Uh, you look at a team like Denver, you know, I mean, you want a great example of this. Ethan Walker had uh, a huge game against Duke. What do you have? six goals, two assists. Mm -hmm. And what was the big question about Denver going into the season? How do you replace Connor Canizero? Who's the alpha? Well, you know, they didn't know that after the first game. I think they may have found one now. And then you kind of build around that. So, um, you know, these early season games, again, just, just, you know, I try to look for certain things like, Hey, okay. Can this guy be good? What's this guy going to look like in two months? Who's the coach? What's the track record of that coach for getting players to improve during the season? Um, you know, th those are kind of the things I'm, I'm paying attention to right now. So uh, going off of that, anything that has come up, up, up through my regarding teams and players that are like, hey, what can we see from, you know, maybe Justin Gutterding in two months, maybe even Joe Robertson in two months or even Albany or any other teams that you've seen? Well, I, I, listen, I think when you have, you know, big time matchups early in the season, that usually is pretty, a pretty good indicator of, okay, what are this team's strengths and weaknesses? Because in those games, they get magnified. So Albany doing what it did to Syracuse convinced me what I had believed since they were eliminated last year. I mean, Albany, I haven't filled out a, a poll yet. I, I actually, I don't have a vote this year, which is kind of weird. Ooh, um, I haven't ooh. talked to Matt. Yeah, I, I don't, don't, don't quite know what's going on. Um, I, I don't get the emails anymore. So um, I don't have a vote this year. But if I, if I did, I would have Albany as my preseason number one. Um, so, and I felt that way after they lost last year. I mean, they were, they were so hungry. Um, I think Erlen with another year is the game changer for them. You know, you have a all-time offense, and now you're going to win the possession battle. And, you know, listen, you're up there in central New York. I can't remember the last time Syracuse was that thoroughly dominated. I mean, I know there have been instances, the Duke game, the Notre Dame game. But, um, you know, against a team 
with Albany's history or lack of, if you want to put it that way. Um, I was I was surprised. As good as Albany, I think, is um, to do what they did, given how lopsided their history has been with Syracuse over the years. I thought that was telling. And, and that almost seemed like um, let's send a message to everybody out there. Um, so to me, Albany, I think, justified itself as a contender. Watching Duke and Denver play each other, you know, I think Denver's got some questions communicating on defense. Um, they have to help Trevor Baptiste when he wins the faceoff. He can't be running out there for his life. They, you know, the wing play has to be a little bit better. Um, they've got to do a better job against, you know, the, the, the secondary pressure the team's put on after they lose the faceoff. I thought Duke has questions at the faceoff X, but the Blue Devils, to their credit, have enough and are efficient enough offensively to make up for that. And I also think they're pretty good on defense. Um, you know, didn't play their best defensive game, but I think Giles Harris and uh, Van Raphorst, two pretty good close defensemen uh, when all is said and done. So, um, you know, you, you kind of look for, you know, look for those telling signs. My, my kind of one big takeaway, though, I would say, if you ask me, I think the ACC is going to be in for a down year. I really do. Um, I think it's Duke. There's a big gulf. There's everybody else, and to be honest with you, I think a team like Virginia might end up being the second-best team in the conference when all said and done. You read my mind because that's where I'm going to go right to. The ACC, outside of Duke and Virginia, well, kind of Virginia, they're 3-0. I mean, they haven't looked so hot. UNC's undefeated, but man lost, man wins against Furman, against Lehigh. Notre Dame looked all right against Detroit Mercy, but not that hot, especially on offense, and then as we said last week with Syracuse getting shellacked by Albany. Do you think we're going to be seeing a change of the guard in terms of who's the dominant conference in the sport if it didn't happen last year? Well, sometimes these things are cyclical, and I think you also have to remember, you know, that ACC lost a ton of star power, you know, the last couple of years. You know, you've, you know, you've lost the likes of uh, Miles Jones two years ago. You lose uh, Mariano and Salcedo and Ben Williams. Uh, you've lost Austin Pafani and Luke Goldstock. I mean, you know, they have lost a lot of really good players over, you know, the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I think that all is part of it. Um, you know, Notre Dame losing Sergio Perkovic, Matt Cavanaugh back-to-back years. So, uh, you, you know, I think those teams, again, have recruited well, they'll reload, but I think this is a down cycle for them. And, you know, looking at that league, I mean, who's who's the dominant face-off man in the ACC? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure you know, there is one. I'm not sure Maybe there's going Swank to be one. Maybe Virginia right now. Maybe, right? And, and, and you know, we, we looked at Virginia the last few years. I mean, that was a big area of concern they really struggled at the x but you know i, I just don't see that guy there um you know who, who's the best goalie in the acc right now i mean you know duke's using two um you know virginia's got a question mark there i mean so I, you look at all these like little factors um and then you look at what they've lost um I think it's a vulnerable league and it wouldn't surprise me if they only get three teams in this year um you know, the Big the Big Ten, the Big Ten's a beast right now. Um, and, you know, I live in ACC country, but to say the ACC is the best lacrosse conference in America, it's not true in 2018. It's not. And it wasn't true last year. Um, the Big Ten has passed it, at least for the short term. Um, and Michigan is a burgeoning power. Um, Hopkins, uh, again, is not even really carrying the flag for the Big Ten like we thought they would. Maryland's the defending champion. Um Myers is building a monster in Ohio State. Rutgers and Penn State are on the ascent. Um, it's it's going to be a really good league, and, and and they will probably have, I think, you know, I can see, you know, five teams in the Big Ten getting in. We mentioned the Big Ten, and do you think this year's Big Ten, despite not having Matt Rambo on Maryland or Heacock or Maltz, that entire attack he did at Maryland, do you think this Big Ten team, this uh, the conference overall, is a lot stronger than it was last year? Well, listen, Maryland I don't think is as good as it was last year. Now, they could still be there in the end. They've got a really good track record. They've got some young guys who I think will get better as the season goes along. To me, Rutgers is hungry. I think Rutgers is a playoff team. Penn State, despite you know the early hiccup to Villanova, uh, I think Penn State, again, is ready to get back to the NCAA tournament, maybe even win a game this year. Um, Hopkins, uh, again, has been a little mercurial. I'm curious as to what I see out of Hopkins tonight. You know, I still don't have a great read on Hopkins, but I would imagine Hopkins, again, to be an NCAA tournament team. So uh, last year, Maryland and Ohio State were really, really good. 
And then, you know, Penn State was good. Hopkins was okay. Um, Rutgers just missed the cut. I think it's a deeper league this year. Michigan, again, um, with a new coach and new facilities, I think will be better um, at the bottom of that conference. So uh, maybe not as strong at the top, but deeper, yes. Any before we go off with uh, the rest of the uh, the the uh, the NCAA, any sleeper teams or players you have on your radar to start out with this season? You know, I think if you're going to go sleeper, um, and I'm curious to see how Princeton responds this weekend. Um, obviously, Sowers, I think, is a tremendous talent. Um, I, the, the Ivy to me is just. Uh, you know, I was a little higher on the Ivy going into the season than I am right now. Um, and so, you know, I thought with, with, with the Teats and the, and the Sours, you know, there was some talent there. And, and I thought, you know, they, they've been in a down cycle. Maybe this is the year they could get multiple teams into the dance. I, I don't feel so good about that right now. Um, to me, there, there's a clear hierarchy right now in, in, in Albany, Duke, Denver. I think you've got those three. And then Really, you know, who's who's D'Artagnan? Who's that fourth musketeer? Um, can it be a team like Rutgers? Can it be a team like Army? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I still need to watch a little bit more lacrosse. I think I need a few more weeks of um, just kind of seeing more of these teams. Maybe it is somebody like a Virginia. I mean, you know, a team that I don't want to count out, even though they lost to Virginia, is Loyola. I think when you have a guy like Pat Spencer, um, and defensively, they look pretty good, too, um, after what they did to Hopkins. Uh, you know, a guy like Pat Spencer can win you a game on his own. So um, if you ask me, um, you know, I wouldn't say Loyola is a traditional sleeper, but can they be that fourth team? Yeah, I think so. But um, right now, I think it's those three, and then let's wait and see. So outside of the lacrosse season, you cover, along with Quinn and Paul, other collegiate sports uh, specifically football and basketball. And I know from your uh, interaction with uh, one of our favorite Eagle players, Carson Wentz, that uh, he <laughs> hits you up from time to time on Twitter when uh, the Bison play. So whenever you get your... Whoa, so- whoa, 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 oh. whoa, whoa. The Bison. Bison. The bison. Not yes. the Bison? Not the Bison. It's the Bison. Explain that. Is, it, is that just how they pronounce it up in North Dakota State? That is how they pronounce it up at North Dakota State, and that is the official pronunciation of the North Dakota State football team. If you you go on the air and you say bison up there, man, you will get raked over the coals. It is bison. The Z is audible but invisible. Wow, the bison. Now that I bison. like that a lot, a lot better than uh, any other bison out there. So, <laughs> whenever you get your assignment, and it's at a place that has you know lacrosse, such as this season, Maryland with football or Duke and Q's uh-huh. with uh, basketball. Do you do any visits with the coaches and catch up with them and get some preseason notes for the season? I know Paul does it sometimes, maybe Quint. I try to. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's funny this year I, I was in the big 12 and the sec a lot. I didn't have many ACC games. And um, yeah, I think the, the one, I think I had Syracuse, but they were at LSU. I had, uh, you know, Georgia Tech and Wake Forest, neither of them have Division One lacrosse. So I think really the only opportunity I had for that this year was uh, I had a Maryland of Northwestern game. And actually, yeah, I stopped in. I, I talked to Tillman. He was showing me his rings. And, you know, we had lunch and, uh, you know, had a good conversation about, you know, just off the record stuff, just kind of, you know, talking about what happened last year and then looking ahead to the season. But, yeah, usually if that opportunity is there, um, especially now in my role, um, I'll usually try to, you know, um, get a few minutes uh, with the coaches or if they're practicing, you know, every now and then, um, uh, you know, it's it just uh, sometimes with basketball, the travel is a little bit more hectic. And a lot of times you're not getting to your game site until day of. It makes it a little harder to do. But, um, you know, certainly for football, when that opportunity has been there. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely try to take advantage of it. Uh, but I just think, look at my schedule this year. Um, uh, we, we just, for some reason, for football this year, I think Maryland might have been the only, you know, the only real team that we, you know, we, we cover um, uh, on a daily basis. So is that for is that only for lacrosse teams that you just do, or if if you do like a lacrosse game or a football game, you want to talk to the basketball or the football coach? Is it just because? with lacrosse being so small, it's easier to like 
get in contact with the coaches in your role as well with the as a lead guy? Well, you know, it, it depends. Like again, you know, usually my my theory has always been, you know, when you're there, your first your first priority is to focus and and put all your attention to the game at hand. You know, this is the game that you're calling. And then, um, you know, if you can parcel out time for that other stuff, uh, you do it. And so. You know, for me, my basketball schedule is primarily ACC centric. So um, sometimes, you know, I'll try to say, okay, if I'm going to be at Duke or if I'm going to be at Syracuse, you know, can I get up to a, a lacrosse practice? Um, sometimes it's not possible. You know, um, I think the game I had at Syracuse this year was was New Year's Eve. So you know, it was just um, <laughs> wasn't. Uh, I don't think anything was going on with lacrosse at that time. Nope. So. Uh, you know, and then it's kind of, you know, where, uh, you know, again, where things lie, but yeah, I think with, with other sports, if you can, you know, if I'm doing a football game and, um, again, I got a chance to go see uh, basketball practice because I know there's a chance I might have them during basketball season. Yeah, of course you want to go. I mean, that's, you know, any young journalist listening out there, you know, for all the research you can do on the internet, you know, the best stories you get, the stories that you can tell is when you're at practice and when you're talking to coaches and players, I mean, that's, that's the information that you're getting that's not readily available. I mean, those are the conversations that, that, that you can have that are independent of, of any other source that's out there and, you know, allows you to kind of craft your sources and, uh, you know, be a reporter. And so, um, you know, for any young journalist that wants to do this, uh, my advice would be, you know, talk to people, talk to as many people as you can. So, your, let's let's recap your uh, your football and basketball assignments. Your favorite one this year for football and your favorite one for basketball. I know you were a big fan of the uh, Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl up in uh, Tropicana with uh, you can't Ryan ask and me, You can't you can't ask me this question. See, here's the thing: you don't realize how many games I've done now between the beginning of September and now. And oh, by the way, I've got a. Uh, a daughter who's almost going to be five months who was born in the middle of football season. So I couldn't tell you where I was last week. Um, I have to think where I'm going this weekend. Busy so, <laughs> man. Um, but uh, no, you know, we had some fun ones, man. I, I mean, I think um, I got to do my first game at Death Valley with Syracuse LSU. It was a night game. That was just a lot of fun. Uh, we had a Michigan State Northwestern triple overtime game. Um, you know, we had we had some exciting games. Um, we had a few Kansas State games go down to the wire at the end of the season. Um, so you know, anytime you have a good finish, and we had quite a few of those this year, it just makes things a lot of fun. And then you know, basketball, um, it's been primarily um, primarily ACC games. Um, you know, we've had a lot of uh, Georgia Tech, and we've had some Florida State and NC State. And, you know, Florida State, Miami was pretty good this year. So, um, you know, just kind of it starts to blend in a little bit. Um, you know, I got NC State, Florida State this weekend on Sunday, which should be a pretty fun game. A lot at stake for both those teams. So you, you just kind of get, you know, to be honest with you, man, like you, you just kind of get lost into the uh, shuffle and you try to think, you know, where was I last week? let alone where was I on October 11th or what have you. Um, it starts to blend together, man, especially when you go through, you know, the, the, the last three months of football season without really sleeping. You're, you're just kind of, um, you know, you, you wake up and you're on a plane. You, you wake up, you're doing a game. You wake up, you're back on a plane, you're coming home, and then, you know, rinse, lather, repeat. So before we get to uh, some weekend and championship weekend picks, we got to put you in a uh, a situation here. So you have a hotel okay. room, and you had to room with either Quint or Paul. None of your produce, uh, John. None of the two Johns that do lacrosse are are they're rooming together. Which one would you rather room with? I asked Paul. I'll this sleep early. in the hallway. Oh, that's the same answer that Paul had. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had to pick between those two, I'll take – give me a pillow. I'll sleep in the hallway. Now, what's worse? Is it is Paul's capris or his driving? Oh, God, his driving. Oh, man. I mean, jeez. Pe- people think it's like a joke, like we just kind of rag on him. We were in the parking lot of Whole Foods during the ACC tournament last year. And I'm not kidding you. Like, he's talking with his hands. We're not even rolling, and he's going on about something – and I'm like, Paul, Paul, look. And, I mean, there's like a woman crossing the street now, like, you know, probably about five, ten feet in front of him. He's like, I see her, bro. And then he's like, oh, 
Here she is. And she's kind of scowling at us, totally deserved, because Paul was just kind of oblivious to it. So, um, yeah, his, you know, he, he'll say things like, oh, I've never been into an a- in an accident or I've never gotten a ticket. Like, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, <laughs> like just because you haven't been caught. Um <laughs> Doesn't mean the behavior is acceptable, but um, yeah, it's it's Paul's driving. I mean, the 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 relaxing with Kark, it's such a misnomer because there is nothing relaxing about sitting in the front seat with him behind the wheel. I had to. I Fosco did it. I think earlier in the season, and I tell him like, you know, you got to watch out for Kark's driving. I asked him like, oh, how was his driving? He was just like shivering. He had like nightmares for at least maybe three days, and I mean, he had to go in his house with Kark. And that wasn't the worst part about it. It was just the driving. He just was happy that, like, he didn't have to drive with him. Yeah, I mean, it's almost to the point where we should just get a green screen, just put him in the car and just, you know, keep it in park and just kind of scroll the background through so it appears that they're moving, you know, like a 1950s movie. Well, he's got the looks, but the driving, eh, it's it's borderline. Um Let's do some uh, weekend picks for you. Uh, UNC Hopkins tonight on the U. Who do you like? No idea. I'll okay. be honest. I have no idea. Um, I, I, what do you make of Hopkins? You know, they looked so dominant against Towson. But I think, to me, Towson is going to slow play the season, as they usually do. They're going to get better. Um, the offensive identity just wasn't there for Towson. You know, but I, I bet on culture with Sean Natalin. They'll be better, and so Hopkins looked really good, and they came out of the gate strong. I thought they'd play better against Loyola, and then boom, they crater against Loyola. So um, I don't have a read on Hopkins, and, and to be honest with you, you know North Carolina wins, as you know from being in Syracuse last year. Wins cover up a lot of warts, and Syracuse winning all those one goal games last year and being ranked high, people thought they were better than they actually were. They were never really dominant. They were never really, you know, this elite team. They were, again, figuring out ways to win these close games. And, yeah, you know, sometimes the bounce doesn't go your way and, um, you know, you get exposed. And that's what happened against Towson with North Carolina. Again, they've beaten Furman. They've beaten Lehigh teams. I thought they should beat Handley. Um, and they've needed everything they've, they've gotten to, to beat them. And, and I, you know, here's, the, here's my question. Um, UNC on defense with Austin Pafani aside from his skills as a cover guy, aside from, you know, the way he could uh, cause turnovers or outlet pass, whatever, the leadership, and if you talk to Joe Bresci and you bring up Pafani's name, the first thing he'll say is the voice. Mm -hmm. He was such a great communicator on the back end of the defense, and I remember going to games. I mean, you could hear him. I mean, he had this loud, booming voice. That is missing on their defense right now, defensively, they're just not very good. They really miss more than anything, I think, Pafani's leadership. I mean, they've got some good players back there, but they miss that leadership. They miss that voice. They miss that alpha defense. And, you know, offensively, um, you know, Cloutier is not, um, you know, he's, he's a goal scorer. We know that. He's got incredible stick skills, but he's being asked to do a little bit more in terms of feeding and then you know, driving that offense. And they have pieces there. Uh, they just haven't gelled yet. And, you know, again, UNC the last couple of years has been a team that, uh, even though they've got a national championship under their belt, uh, they've sort of limped to the finish line at times and then, you know, figure things out, you know, once you get into the ACC tournament, once you get into May. Um, with this year's team, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I see that. I mean, uh, you ask me right now that UNC and Syracuse are the teams that are probably battling it out. Um, to stay out of the cellar in the ACC. But but Hopkins, you know, I watched the Towson game and I watched the Loyola game, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, the team that I saw the first time didn't look anything like the team that I saw the second time. And so, um, you know, th- this could be one of these games where I think you go back on Selection Sunday and you say, well, Hopkins beat UNC or UNC beat Hopkins. And um, you might be talking about two bubble teams at the time, and then this, this game might be big a few months from now. So I'm going to assume with the other four games I have here, Georgetown, Towson, Princeton, Virginia, Nova Hofstra, and Army Syracuse, uh, you have no idea either about who would win these no, games. No, no, I, I, got, I got an idea. Let's, let's, okay. let's, let's we, we, can, we can run through those. Where, okay. we, where are we starting? Uh, let's go Georgetown, Towson. Yeah, I think Towson's going to win that game. Um, I, I still think, you know, Georgetown is building. Um, they're trying to get back to where they were. You remember, you know, about 
10, 15 years ago, it looked like Georgetown was on the verge of getting back to, or I should say, kind of cracking, you know, that elite, that, that, that tier one. And then the program just kind of went in the other direction. Um, I thought the high point win, um, especially considering what high point did against Maryland, um, starts to look pretty good, but at Towson, um, the Tigers, I think with Sean Natalin are going to be ready. Um, that defensive midfield is as good as anybody. Um, so if you ask me, I think, I think Towson's. I think Towson pulls that off by by a couple of goals. I think you're, you're looking at a, a low scoring ten eight kind of game. Princeton playing an ACC team. It's not Syracuse, sadly. It's Virginia uh, at Clockner. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, big game for both those teams in terms of you know where are you uh, in 2018? You know, Pitt Princeton did not look good against Monmouth. They need a bounce back game. Uh, Virginia, I thought the Loyola comeback showed me a lot. Um, blew out High Point, blew out Drexel. I like the momentum that Virginia has. I think they've learned a lot uh, being in Lars Tiffany's system now for more than a year. Conrad, Aiken, Kraus, uh, the freshman, what's his name, Laviani. I mean, uh, Laviano, mm-hmm. um, he's really played well as a great finisher. There's a lot of talent there if they can find consistency at the X. And probably the biggest thing is, you know, find some consistency in goal. Is it Griffin Thompson? Is it the freshman Rody? Um, Goaltending is going to be a question because that's a key position in Lars Tiffany's offense. That's where the fast break begins. Uh, but I think against Princeton, I like Virginia. Give me the give me the who's. A little under the radar game here. Villanova against Hofstra at Hempstead. Villanova has been one of the surprise teams early in the year. I mean, beating Yale, going on the road, and beating Penn State. You look at what Nova has in front of them. I mean, they got Hofstra, and then you know, I think they got a couple of Ivy League games in there. Um, they play Maryland, I know, on St. Patrick's Day. They should be unbeaten going into that Maryland game. And, you know, you go and knock off Maryland – you know, then you got Big East play, and outside of Denver, who else scares you in that conference? You know, Villanova um, has a chance right, with the Penn State and Yale wins already in the bag, and with Maryland sitting out there, with Denver sitting out there, um, Nova's got a chance to potentially be a top eight seed and host a home host a playoff game in May. Um, uh, I think you know we've kind of. Uh, Clark and I were talking about this last week. You know, we've been bullish on Nova the last couple of years, and you know they've disappointed, and then this year nobody talks about them, and now Villanova is um, off to this great start. I think Nova beats Hofstra, and then I think Nova gets on a run, and I think they're undefeated going into the Maryland game. And then finally, my team right now, and then your alma mater, Army, going to the Dome again to take on Syracuse. Yeah, this is the easiest one. Um, give me Army, I think, 11-8. 12-9, something along those lines. Um, Syracuse, to me, again, last year, I took a lot of heat from a lot of people when I, you know, essentially said that they were smoking mirrors and that how many times can you run out of a burning building without a scratch? And, uh, again, winning those close games and getting those wins covered up a lot of awards. Well, now you've lost Ben Williams. You have lost Sergio Salcino. You have lost Nick Mariano. And with all due respect, the replacements just aren't as good. Um, the attack was a question mark last year. It's still a question mark for me. The defense is supposed to be the strong suit, but as we saw what happened against Albany, when you're losing the possession battle, um, you know your defense gets tired, and they're on, they were on the field. I mean, it felt they were you, you were there. It felt mm-hmm. like they played defense the entire game, and so you know I think there has to be a little bit of a reevaluation of of, of that program where. You look at the impact players that they've had recently, the Ben Williams, the Marianos, those guys have been transfers. Why have they been, why have they not been getting, you know, impact recruits? Um, you know, uh, Bomberry, a transfer, you know, why have they missed on so many recruits? You know, Jordan Evans was supposed to be, you know, the prince that was promised and, um, you know, had an okay career, but uh, certainly not what we expected out of him. Um, and so, uh, you know, this year, again, I've got questions about how they're going to score. And I, I look at, you know, I think Army's a, is a veteran team. <laughs> um, I think the top 10 ranking right now is deserving. They're off to a good start. Uh, to me, this is going to be a tough matchup for Syracuse. And, and 
you know, maybe I'm wrong. And again, as an alum, I, I hope I am. But I, I kind of look at this team and I say, with the schedule they have and with the question marks they have, I think they're going to struggle just to make the NCAA tournament. And, you know, the saving grace for them may actually end up being a weaker ACC because that non-conference schedule might end up being tougher than their league schedule, which usually doesn't work out in the ACC, but it might this year for Syracuse. Now, just to add on to Syracuse for a minute, do you think that with this health care that they had in the fall, not being able to scrimmage against the Iroquois or Israel or the alumni or even uh, Stony Brook or Maryland, that hurt their development with a lot of these Absolutely. The oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, those are reps being taken away from young guys that need reps. I mean, I think it's a totally valid excuse. It's a young team. Um, and it's, it's young not only in terms of, you know, where they've got – guys who haven't played much, but also, you know, guys who need those reps. So when you factor in, okay, if you've got a sophomore or junior who's now stepping into a starting role, man, those those game reps in the fall, those are valuable. Those are invaluable. And, you know, with the mumps outbreak and not being able to practice and not being able to scrimmage, yeah, I, I, I think there's no question. Um, there's no question that's part of it. But, you know, now you're, again, the, the reality that you're in now is, you know, Nobody's going to give you a free pass on that if you're, you know, five and six, um, 11 games into the season. Nobody's going to give you a free pass on that if, you know, you got one win going into the Hallmark game, right? So, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's certainly, I mean, contextually, sure, that fits. Um, but when it comes to getting into the NCAA tournament, when it comes to making playoffs, um, you know, it's not like the committee is going to look at that. Well, let's give Syracuse a free pass because they had a mumps outbreak in the fall. It doesn't work like that. Yep. Finally, I know it's three, four weeks, and most of these teams won't be how, how they look in uh, in May. Your championship weekend picks. Ooh, it's a good one. Well, I got three. Three are easy. Albany, Denver, and then Duke. And then the fourth one. Oh, boy, this is tough. You know, if you if you had asked me before the season, I, I would have gone with Rutgers. Um, but then Cheryl Embiid has got hurt again. Now, you know, and I still think they can potentially get there. Um, but if you ask me right now, give me those three, and I, I would probably, gun to my head, I'd probably have to say I still think, you know, I'd probably go with Yale. And, and I know that's a safe pick, but um, – I'm betting on Ben Reeves. I'm betting on all the guys that they have coming back from last year. Um, and to me, you know, a lot of what holds true for Scott Moore holds true for Andy Shea. You've done it all except get to the big stage. Um, and you've got the guy and you've got the team to get you there. So um, I would probably go, yeah, give me Duke, Denver, Albany, and then Yale would probably be my fourth. But it's a that the, yeah, Yale is a soft pick. The other three are hard picks. Yale's a soft pick. Who would be in that uh, other fourth discussion? Maryland, possibly a few other teams. Yeah, I think you almost have to put Maryland on there just based on their track record, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, John Tillman has <laughs> has been living in Championship Weekend for the last you know seven eight years. Um, yeah, listen, the team that's coming into the dome this year, uh, Army, um, again is a dark horse. We saw what they did in Notre Dame. At the end of last year, you know, they've got the win against Rutgers. Now, that's the team that, um, you know, I'm potentially looking at. I think Loyola is one with Pat Spencer. Again, you have that great player. Um, you know, that that's one I think that could potentially, you know, crack that. But, uh, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, how many candidates do you have for that fourth spot right now? Well, I have Duke, Albany, Denver. As as you said, I think everybody three. does, right? I mean, yeah, I think yeah, that's, like that's it's, it's, simple it's hard. As that. It's hard to get away from those. Two. Yeah, I had I I was thinking Rutgers would be that fourth team, and Charlotte Beatty's got out. This Tommy Coin kid that I think just got in this spring as like a mid year transfer from high school, he might help a little bit, but I don't think it's 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 not Charlotte Beatty's by all means. Rutgers was in that conversation. Maryland's still in. I think Maryland's my front runner right now. Yale, I'm not totally sure how they look because that loss to Villanova in Texas, I mean, they still have a lot of room to bounce back. And You have to in- remember, too. I mean, the one thing, again, and I was, I was hating on the Ivy earlier this year, the one thing you have to remember is, you know, because of the restrictions that they have, they start the season later, uh, a lot of the teams that they play early have had more practice time than the Ivy League schools. Yeah. That's, I think, that's overall a dumb role that they have to start later than most other teams, but... 
that's a whole nother topic. Uh, Yale, Army's getting there. I think if they can find something on offense. I know they have some guy, Jones, Glancy, uh, David Sims, especially at the midfield. They have the talent there. The defense is there as well. Loyola, possibly. Uh, and then Ohio State. And Ohio State's looked really, really solid, especially at that midfield, which they needed some help on with the loss of Pearson and those guys. Trey LeClaire is still a baller. And they filled up all their uh, holes for the main, most part. Yeah, yeah. My, my only my question with Ohio State, you know, I'm looking at their early season schedule, right? I mean, who they've played so far. They, uh, they beat BU, I know. Hofstra. They beat Hofstra. Um, they played Jacksonville on Sunday. And right, have... so Jacksonville, I think they got Marquette. You know, yep. they don't have yeah, – I, I want to say they don't really have a big game until like the middle of March. That's what they um, had last year too. The meat and potato right. starts with Towson, which, you know, that Towson game this year compared to last year doesn't look as like uh, bright and good as it was last year with that Towson team too. So maybe Denver's had started that meat and potatoes. Right, that's right. They play. They play Den. I think that's another St. Patrick's Day game. I think they play Denver on St. Patty's Day, and then you go into the Big Ten gauntlet. So, you know, Ohio State might be a team that's undefeated going into Towson or Denver, and then you go into the Big Ten gauntlet. And again, I think you can bank on track record and history and a little bit of what they did last year. Um, but I, again, you know, I, I don't know against those teams how much. You can say, oh, okay, well, hey, Ohio State is, you know, uh, back to being where they were last year because they, they did lose a lot of key pieces uh, from that championship team. You know, they had a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of fifth-year guys, a lot of older guys. Um, and, you know, again, Trey LeClaire is a stud. He's young. He's back. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, to me, losing so many of those guys from the midfield, how do they replace them? I think we get a better sense of who Ohio State is this year in the last month and a half of the season than we will in the first month and a half, just based on who they played. But, um, you know, sometimes that works to your advantage too, because in those early games, you can play more guys because you're playing lesser teams and you can, you know, uh, if you play that heavyweight schedule early, sometimes that restricts, I mean, you see with Syracuse, that restricts how many guys you can play that restricts your rotations. And if you have a diamond in the rough sitting there, you know, maybe you don't feel comfortable giving him the game reps, because those games mean so much early in the season, as opposed to being able to unearth that guy in the first half of the season and then unleashing him in the second half of the season because he has the game reps. So, um, you know, I think Ohio State, I think, I think again, Coach Myers has built um, quite the program there. And I think breaking through the championship weekend um, uh, last year, man, I mean, their, their toughness was something that just um, – I was moved by. I mean, I thought they played with a grit. They played with a physicality. It was this devil-may-care attitude. And, um, you know, he's created a culture there that I think is going to work for him. And that will end off on that note. Anish, great to have you on. Hopefully I can run into you during the season whenever you uh, have a Q's game. Might be the, hopefully, if we get in, the ACC tournament or... Whenever. Uh, I got you. I got you a couple times before, so I've got. Uh, I know I've got the Syracuse Duke game in Durham, and then I'll be up at the Dome for Syracuse UNC. That's mid-April, though. That's a ways out. So that's a ways out. But hopefully, the weather's nicer than it is up here. Uh, then it was seventy-two on Tuesday, and then all of a sudden it fell to thirty-five and snowing. So brutal up here. But other than that, niche. Best of luck in the rest of the college basketball run, and we look forward to hearing you and your voice on the lacrosse circuit as well. All right, Chris. Be good, man. You too. And that was Anish Shroff, and again, we apologize for those technical difficulties. But either way, with or without them, we would have had it. We would have liked it without them. Still a great interview, and we hope that Anish gets his media vote back. If not, he's always welcome to join the College Cross Top 20 poll that can that comes out every Wednesday for you to see. Now to the weekend games and my predictions. Uh three games on Friday, a lot on Saturday, and three more games on Sunday. We'll go over the Friday games first because we have another happy hour special. I don't think there's any bingo boards this this weekend. Three games, UMBC, Mount St. Mary's, North Carolina Hopkins, and then Cleveland State at Air Force. 
3 o'clock game is UMBC at Mount St. Mary's. The Mount looks kind of solid. UMBC had a slight slip-up against Navy. Uh, their offense is still a question mark. I'll take UMBC in that one. UNC, Hopkins, the Blue Jays are a one-goal favorite according to the Las Vegas lines. The over-under for that game is 23. I'm going to go with UNC because for some reason, Joe Brushy dominates very, very well at Homewood, and I would not be surprised if for some reason Hopkins slips up again against the Tar Heels, even though UNC hasn't been that, that impressive. As of this season, I mean, overtime to Furman, overtime to Lehigh, Lafayette, they didn't cover the Las Vegas line of 7.5, they only won by 7, and there they didn't look so good. Goalie is a big concern too, Jack Pizzula started last week, and he didn't really get a good result, it was still an overtime win for the Tar Heels, but maybe some possible shakeup there this week, we don't know, but I will take... North Carolina, I think they rebound nicely. And I will probably go with... I'm going to go with the under 23 in this one. And then Air Force, Cleveland State. Give me Air Force in that one. The Saturday games, starting with all the noon games. Furman, Canisius, High Point, St. John's, Fairfield, Rutgers, Michigan, Yale, Delaware, Monmouth, Georgetown, Towson, Drexel, Albany, VMI, NGIT, and Robert Morris, Penn State. Furman Canisius will be played at Radnor. So if you're in the Philadelphia area, highly recommend you go to that game. Furman has a very good team on offense. It could be a SoCon, uh, SoCon champion possibly this season. Canisius coming off their first win. I like Furman in that one. High point St. John's. High point despite them still being winless. They look kind of solid. They looked really solid against Maryland last week and then on Tuesday against Virginia. St. John's has their first win over High, uh, Hartford, 14-12. I'm going to go with High Point in that one. Rutgers-Fairfield. The Scarlet Knights are 4.5 goal favorites over the Stags with the over-under set at 22.5. I like Rutgers minus 4.5 and, and I expect that over 22.5 goals. Michigan, Yale, Yale trying to get their first win of the season. They are number 11 in the nation. They are a three and a half goal favorite at home against the Wolverines with the over under being 22. I like the Yale Bulldogs minus three and a half. As for the over under, I am going to go with the under 22 on that one. Delaware at Monmouth, Monmouth. Losing in double overtime to Princeton, but rebounding nicely with a big win over Wagner on Wednesday. Delaware, they are undefeated. They look to continue being undefeated under Ben DeLuca. However, I like the Monmouth Hawks in that one. Georgetown, Towson, one game that Anish mentioned. He has Towson winning that game. I have Georgetown winning that game. Even though they are a one-goal underdog, so give me Georgetown plus one. And give me the minus, or excuse me, under 18.5 in that game. Drexel Albany, Albany, after a solid game against the Orange, are 7.5 goal favorites. Give me Albany minus 7.5 with them definitely covering. covering. Uh, no, scratch that. Under 25.5 goals for that one. Albany wins, though, and they cover. And then finally, VMI. NGIT, I like the Highlanders getting their first win of the season. Robert Morris, Penn State, that should be a fun one that was last year in the in last year's season opener for both teams. The Nittany Lions are four goal favorites. I like Penn State uh, winning, but I think Robert Morris makes it an interesting game. Robert Morris plus four, and I will say an over 25 goals in that one. Those are your noon games. A lot of games up in the 1 o'clock slate. We'll read them all first. Lafayette, Loyola, Holy Cross, Lehigh as Patriot League play opens up. Marquette, Detroit Mercy, Princeton, Virginia, Bellarmine, Manhattan, St. Joe's, Providence, Hobart, Cornell, Villanova, Hofstra, Brown, Stony Brook, Navy, Boston University, Vermont, Quinnipiac, Harvard, UMass, UMass, Lowell, Siena, Bucknell, Colgate, Richmond, and Notre Dame 
all at the 1 o'clock slots. Loyola Lafayette. Loyola is a 7.5 goal favorite over under 21. I like the Greyhounds covering minus 7.5. And and I think they get uh, over 21 goals in that one. Lehigh Holy Cross. I like the Mountain Hawks in that one. Uh, the Golden Eagles, I believe they are not ranked. If I am correct, they are not ranked, so they are not a Las Vegas Lions pick. I like the Golden Eagles, although Detroit Mercy showed they can hang in with the best, on, especially on defense. I like Marquette in a close one. Virginia Princeton, the Cavaliers are three-goal favorite over the Tigers. I will take Virginia minus three, and I will go under 27 on that one. Give me Bellarmine over Manhattan. Give me Providence over St. Joe's. Give me the Jeff fight, the fighting Jeff Teets of Cornell over Hobart. Villanova against Hofstra. It's a Lax Vegas game. The Wildcats are one and a half goal favorites over Hofstra. Anise picked the Wildcats. He thinks they're going to go undefeated until they play Maryland St. Patty's Day. I kind of agree with him. I just have to look at the schedule. I think they don't have a lot of good. I think they can have games that could easily win against. Give me the Wildcats minus one and a half, and I think they get under 20 and a half goals for this one. Brown Stony Brook at one o'clock. Neither team is ranked. Brown lost to Quinnipiac last weekend. Stony Brook, I think they're still winless. Yeah, they are. They lost to Penn State last weekend, and they lost to Sacred Heart two weeks ago. I will go with the Brown Bears rebounding for a big first win after Stony Brook beat them 27-15 last year. I don't think they get that high in in regards to goals. BU Navy, I like the Terriers. They are not ranked, I believe. Yeah, they're not ranked. So I like BU over Navy. I like Vermont, the 17th ranked Catamounts. Four goal favorites. Give me Vermont minus four. Over under 22 and a half. I'm going to go with over 22 and a half. Quinnipiac can put some points up on offense as we've seen this year. UMass Harvard. Give me the Minutemen over the Crimson. Harvard just doesn't look good this year. I mean, it's slow. and It's a slow start. But the Minutemen, I think, will be able to get that close win against their in-state rivals. Siena, UMass Lowell is an interesting game. UMass Lowell beat uh, Quinnipiac in overtime two weeks ago. They lost to Harvard by a goal. They could be 2-0. I like Siena. Uh, excuse me. I like UMass Lowell beating Siena. It'll be a close one. Siena beat Hobart by a goal last week to get their first win. An under-the-radar game that I will be watching if I can. Colgate-Bucknell in the Patriot League uh, conference opener for both teams. Colgate is ranked. They are 20th in the nation in the inside lacrosse meteor poll. They are a one-goal favorite over the Bison with an over-under at 23. I like Bucknell as a team. I think they're a better team overall, but they had a slip-up against Richmond. Give me the Raiders minus one uh, and under 23 goals. And then finally, Notre Dame-Richmond. Notre Dame's off, or Notre Dame coming off a bye week last week, two weeks ago, beating... Detroit Mercy, kind of in an un, un, unimpressive fashion. They are five and a half goal favorites over Richmond. I am taking Richmond plus five. I think Notre Dame still wins. Over unders, 18 and a half. I think they get over 18 and a half goals in that one. Couple two o'clock games. Bryant Hartford, give me Bryant over the Hawks. And then Syracuse Army, that game. Army is a two and a half goal favorite in the Dome. Over the orange with a 21 and a half goal over under. Give me Syracuse covering. Syracuse plus two and a half. I think Army wins by two. And I think it'll be an over 21 and a half goal game. Only three o'clock lit game is Duke at Penn on ESPN3.com. Duke is a four and a half goal favorite over Penn. I like Duke minus four and a half over under twenty four. I like. Uh, I'm gonna go under. Uh, no, I'm gonna go over twenty four. I like Duke's offense a lot. Give me over twenty four. 
Then the only 4 o'clock game, Dartmouth Sacred Heart. Give me Sacred Heart and an easy win there. On Sunday, Binghamton at, Mar- at Marist. Cleveland State at Denver. Ohio State at Jacksonville. That last game, Ohio State, Jacksonville, and the Moe's Lacrosse Classic. You can see that game at 9 o'clock on CBS Sports Network, even though the game will be at 1. That'll be on tape delay. Give me Marist over Binghamton. Give me Denver over Cleveland State. And give me Ohio State over Jacksonville. The Denver line is 7.5. Denver minus 7 over 18.5. Ohio State-Jacksonville is a 5.5 line for Ohio State. Give me plus. Uh, give me Ohio State minus 5.5 and, and going over 20. So that is your weekend preview there. And other than that, I think that is all we have to talk about on this edition of Across College Lacrosse. If you want to follow us, please do so. This will be up on iTunes. Subscribe to that. Give us a five-star review. As last week, I read one of the five-star reviews. The first one we've had. So give us a five-star review. It helps us. It helps spread our word. And your review will be read on this podcast. You can subscribe on SoundCloud. You can do that. You also listen on Stitcher and TuneIn. We're still working on Google Play. Uh, it's a hassle. Hopefully, we can get that up in a little bit. Also, follow the .com, the collegecross.com. Follow them on Twitter at college underscore cross. Like them on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at CF Jastrzemski. Any questions or whatever, please send them my way. And any other audio technical difficulty inquiries or uh, comments you would like to make, you can send them my way as well. And I will take as much heat as we possibly need. So other than that, I will end this program right here because we're an hour and two minutes, just like a regular college crosscast. So stay hydrated out there, everybody. Bye, Felicia.